Two guys. Two topics. Two, two, two. two opinions. Two. Utah, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 975-1280 the zone. And the Zone Sports Network. Utah tight end Cole Fotheringham with us. You guys put the rivalry game behind you quite yet? You moving on to San Diego State? Yes, sir. We got the film in this morning. We're going to make the corrections, and now our focus is on uh, San Diego State. Coaches like to use these situations as teaching moments. What did you see that stood out to you as needing improvement? I think that, you know, as a team, we came out maybe a little too confident, and BYU had a great game plan, and they played a great game. They gave it to us, so all the respect to those guys and we learned from our mistakes and now we're ready to get after the next opponent all right so gordon let's talk about where these teams byu and utah go from here okay what do you want to say let's start with the kooks they won they've got a really interesting opponent this weekend i actually think both opponents are pretty interesting but certainly arizona state a team that we thought would compete for a south division in the pac-12 um, Jaden Daniels has experience. They brought nearly their whole team back. This is kind of where things are supposed to start paying off, uh, you know, for Herm Edwards. Not that they've been bad before, but I think you get what I'm saying. So with BYU, it comes down to the question, will the Cougars use the victory over Utah as a confidence builder, as a motivator, um, as a sort of a, uh, one of those things that jets you forward? What are those things called? You know, kind of like an accelerator uh, to play really good football on Saturday against Arizona State? Or will they get a little fat-headed and, and think, all right, well, uh, we have an emotional victory we're holding on to for a bit uh, and, and allow it to make them more vulnerable? It could go either way. I've seen teams do that. Uh, but based on what we have been told by folks within the program, it seems like the Cougars are pretty dialed in. What about tail of the tape type stuff? Matchup stuff. Against the Devils? Yeah. Well, the Devils will have more speed than BYU does. They have a lot of really fine athletes, but BYU seems to have solved some of those issues and no, just plays intense football. So, uh, you know, Daniels is a heck of a athlete, a quarterback. He, he can really run, and, and BYU is going to have to be aware of that, and they will be. But I mean, they practice against Jaron Hall. I mean, they, they, they kind of know – uh, what that's about. The the running thing is a thing, and we'll BYU, they'll use a spy or something. It'll be interesting to see what they do, certainly. But the the secondary performed well against Utah. They they had a good game. Yeah. So I don't know what the likelihood is of Jaden Daniels carving BYU up, which is usually the concern when it comes to BYU and where they're vulnerable defensively. And the the front, you know, the front for BYU – and they did it creatively, but they got they got a lot of pressure yeah. on Charlie Brewer. I mean, they they played a good game too. So you know, if if a couple of those things, you know, you do it against Utah, you should be able to be effective in those areas. I would I would think against Arizona State. Well, so that that bodes well for BYU. Well, there are two aspects to that as far as Daniels goes. Uh, it's one thing to pressure him; it's another to contain him. Sure. And, yeah, I got it. And I could see him springing loose. And maybe they're not aggressive up front. Maybe they uh, go back to drop an eight. Well, I think maybe uh, Hans was talking about this today, being gap sound on your defensive line, where the 
the goal isn't necessarily to get home and get a sack. The goal is to keep him back there and make him make a throw and then yeah. be confident that that your coverage is, is going to be solid. That's a great point by Hans because if, if you start playing, like you always say, hero ball, and you're trying to do too much yourself, then you won't be sound in that regard. Right. So, you know, I, I, I wonder, I, I would expect BYU to come in with a pretty good game plan. They certainly came into the Utah game with a pretty good game plan. And I think, you know, it's not hard to make a big game out of this matchup. Plus, it's at home. So, I, I mean, if we want to dive into the emotion aspect, I mean, I think you've got every excuse to to treat it like a big game and, and ride some confidence in there. But, I mean, as far as, as, you know, on the ground, you know, what we know of BYU and what we, or I should say, what we think we know mm-hmm. about BYU and what we think we know about Arizona State, I think speed is, is a factor, but... You know, if BYU can game plan a way to neutralize that a little bit, I mean, that could be a big deal. And we've seen them do it. Yeah. So. What happens if BYU loses to Arizona State? Nothing. What, is it, does it besmirch what happened this last week? I don't think so. You lose to good teams sometimes. Yeah. I think Arizona State is a pretty good team. I mean, uh, it'll nothing. depend on how they play. And, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about moral victories by showing up and playing hard and all that sort of thing. But if it's, I mean, Arizona State's a really good team. So uh, favored by a two, is it? Um, it? It seems as though BYU should be right there uh, in competing for a victory here against this team. But sometimes it goes your way, sometimes it doesn't. But I, I was just so impressed with the way BYU is focused against Utah. I think they'll be able to refocus the same way against uh, the Devils. Right. But the outcome is not going to I, I change the perspective I have on this team after after a big win against Utah. It was a big win, regardless. Yeah. I mean, if they want a special season, they got to follow it up. But, I mean, it, when it comes to independence, you know, you're not really worried about a conference race. I think the likelihood of this team going undefeated is quite low. If they get, so, this, if they get this game, though— Man, they have set themselves up for Maybe a, a huge real win. special yeah, season. I agree. I agree. And they'll be three and zero against the Pac-12 South. Well, against the Pac-12 in general, where they have five games against that league. Yeah, and I mean, how how many teams on the schedule are better than Utah and Arizona State? Well, with Utah, USC crumbling. Yeah, I mean, we how much do we know about this year's uh, Boise State team? They're kind of young, right? Gonna have to look into that. I'm not, I don't regularly follow Boise State football. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Baylor are they two and zero? Austin, I think they are two and zero. So you never know there. Washington State doesn't look to be good. Hey, UVA hammered Illinois. Maybe yeah. UVA and then brings a good squad, but that's yeah. in Provo. Baylor's two and zero, but they've played Texas State and Texas Southern. Yeah, so that's a thing. So it's like BYU schedule last year. You're downgrading them because of who they've beaten so well, far. Well, well, this was this they had a choice this year. BYU didn't have much of a choice last year. <laughs> True, I'm kidding. Anyway, yeah, I mean, but, if they get this win, if they get this win, Jake, uh, suddenly uh, the aims and expectations for this team will be ratcheted way, way up. If they beat Arizona State, they'll be ranked what in the top fifteen. You would think so, yeah. With other opportunities coming up against 
quality opponent. I mean, decent opponents. By the way, Boise lost to UCF in week one, 36-31, actually. Yeah, I certainly remember that game. And then uh, they beat UTEP 54-13. to Or UTEP. But that's UTEP, yeah. Yeah. So Boise, you know, maybe maybe Boise turns out to be pretty good. Uh, I think UVA might be the answer on the toughest team left on the schedule. And if if, tough, if the Trojans don't rally around the new guy and kind yeah. of continue to crumble, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll leave that hanging out there. But which is really interesting about the new guy. I mean, obviously they're ha- they have an interim coach, but th- does that create is that something to rally around? Only if you love the interim guy and you want him to get the job. But if there's somebody out there who uh, all the rumors are swirling around, like that guy's going to replace whoever's the interim guy, then that can create kind of a weird feeling on a team. Except for players don't think that way. They'll be on board with the inter- uh, with the interim guy. I bet it's happened the last two times. One time, USC decided to fire Ed Ogeron. And one time they decided to keep Clay Hilton. It's happened twice where yeah. they've salvaged good seasons and the team rallies around the interim guy and they would have seemingly made the wrong choice both times. Do you think it matters for an interim coach to, to um, I mean, does he have any shot at the, the full time In this job? case, I don't think so. Yeah. But I don't think that will be decided by the players' feelings about it this time. I, I just can't, I cannot get past what you brought up yesterday, Jake. This is one of the weirdest timings of a firing that I've ever heard of. I mean, the Trojan USC knew what they had in Clay Helton, a really good guy who wasn't a great coach. They knew that. And yet they didn't take care of their business during the offseason. They wait until now? Well, what I kind of find funny about it is the moral high ground they took when retaining Clay Hilton in the first place. You know, didn't hire Urban Meyer because this is going to be a different day at USC where we're going to consider other things than not just uh, winning on the field because the, we were rightfully embarrassed by the admission scandal. And frankly, the last, what would you say, three athletic directors that they've hired have been <laughs> complete disasters because they keep hiring these unqualified USC people, right? And so this new president comes in and they hire Mike Bone, who's an experienced athletic director, and uh, maybe the, the tires are kicked on Urban Meyer, but they say, no, we're, we're Clay Helton is a good man. We are going to keep him because this is a new day at USC where we're going to be good people. People. And how long does that last? Five seconds. How long does that last? Loses to Stanford, and they're like, you know what? <laughs> this good guy's out on his keister. <laughs> get us, get us, Urban Meyer. Well, I don't wait. care. Get us whoever. We don't care. Lie, cheat, steal. <laughs> what? Uh, bring it out. What were we thinking? Right. It's just kind of funny how long that lasts, isn't it? Well, but it really, I don't think it's advantageous to fire the guy after game number two. What that, what that is, is a very important voice. <clears throat> Somebody with a lot of money said, "How do <laughs> you how enough. do you like getting my money? <laughs> do you enjoy it? Do, does it does it does does it suit you? Do you like it? No, no, we don't need so it. So it's probably a pretty good idea to can this guy. That's what happened. Well, it, it should have happened during the off season. Yes, well." Probably. Because I guarantee From a football you, standpoint, those, yes, but this was supposed to be about more than football. No, no, all those people you're describing there, and there's a bunch of them down there around USC, they they were already saying this. But see, that's that's what USC was pushing back against. They're saying, <laughs> we're, we're going to do it 
We're going to do it right. We're, we're, well, it's nice to see they held their ground. Is it wrong that I feel that so happy about this story? Like, I, I don't feel happy that Clay Hilton's without a job, but I feel happy that right. USC is in right. disarray. The, the, the kind folks, of delicious. The folks on the outside have been running the show for, for a, a long, long time. And finally, USC is going to step in and say, no longer. No longer will we we hire people uh, completely unqualified for the athletic department position simply because they know where the bodies are buried and willing to just, you know, continue things as is. We're not going to do that any longer. The Reggie Bush period is behind us. We are, are going to do things right from now on. Wait, they lost to Stanford at home by what? <laughs> what? Never mind. I love Never that. mind. I love the way you framed that, Jake. <laughs> yeah, we're taking the moral high ground. Oh, no, we're not. <laughs> Let's jump off this mountain. Fight on. <laughs> I, t- I guarantee you the UCLA fans in L.A. are just absolutely loving this, especially since the Bruins look pretty good. <laughs> By the way, I'm probably way late to the game on this, but there is a documentary. I think it's on Netflix about the uh, academic uh, scandal, the, oh, yeah, the, that whole thing. Did you watch yeah, it? I did. A- again, I'm probably late to the game on this, but those universities, all of them involved in that, from Stanford to USC to all of them, should be so embarrassed. I think they were. They should be so embarrassed. Everybody who had any sort of connection to that whole thing should have absolutely been fired, if for nothing else, for incompetence. The 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 documentary I saw it, it they kind of Stanford kind of dumped on the uh, the sailing coach right then they blame him well yeah for because everything. because and he in that uh, documentary he was essentially saying his he was his hands were being forced to some extent who knows well in that particular case they didn't care at all what his performance was he could have sunk the Dern ship. <laughs> And they wouldn't care one bit. What they cared was when he brought a big donor to the table, which was this guy who had the side door and said, hey, I just talked this dude into donating half a million dollars. They said he's celebrated. They're like, oh, how'd you do last year again? Oh, yeah. You're going to keep your job. I mean, it was this whole thing where they – it, it became about fundraising. It wasn't about – it wasn't about – certainly not about young people. But see, what we're talking about here is the real conundrum college football in particular and basketball finds itself in. You know, they want to pretend it's all about student athletes. But, baby, if you're not winning to the at the rate that the folks expect you to, it, it doesn't matter what how good a guy you are. It doesn't matter how many people you help. I've heard the stories about Clay Helton down at USC helping individual players. In profound ways. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And yet we're talking about college sports here. Well, I, I thought you were going to go a different way than that because it 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 showed just like if you want football and basketball generate all the revenue and all these other sports are, are in existence because of that revenue. Like yeah. and it's it's about they can't fund themselves. So then all of a sudden the coach becomes a fundraiser because they don't get any sort of attention because they don't generate any money. It's this this negative to positive. And then we ask ourselves, well, do we want there to be a women's track team or a, a sailing team or a diving team or a swimming team, male or female, whatever? Do we want these experiences for other athletes? Because it comes at the expense of other sports. Yeah, I hear you. And but, then but, it's about fundraising. But and, see, but OK, but nobody cares about that sport. But but in football, 
I don't have a problem so much about uh, SC. If SC wants to fire a coach, then do it the right way. You know, fire him. And I know there was a lot of unhappiness down there. Do it the right way. Fire him in the offseason. Not a game or two in. What, What are you doing down there? I mean, not only does it make you look like a hypocrite, not you, but them, because of what they said previously, but it just it's just it's just bad all the way around. People see that as bad management. And now what's the rest of the season gonna look like? Like we talked about. It's 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 crazy. New you know, they call it the University of Spoiled Children, and that's what this move looks like. Well, it's new leadership down there, same same story. Yeah. All right, stay tuned. That's the split story of the day brought to you by our friends at Sound Sleep Medical. Do you snore at night or are you currently using a CPAP machine to treat sleep apnea? Sound Sleep Medical can improve your life. Visit soundsleepmedical.com. More next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.